Welcome. It's good to see everybody here this morning. We are on an eight-week series called The Church, What Are We? Statements all the way through the Bible um, that um, are bold statements um, of Christ and also Paul and also his disciples, apostles, making statements that this is what the church is. One statement we looked at a couple weeks ago, we are the bride of Christ. So we're looking into each of these statements because they come with a punch. You're the bride of Christ. Well, what does that mean? If you look at uh, number one, we're the bride of Christ. It's a picture of our relationship. A couple weeks ago, this is just review. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the bride of Christ. Well, what takes place in a positive relationship, a healthy relationship that's in a marriage? Commitment, sacrifice, love are the three components that will drive a marriage forward. So when Jesus makes the statement that you are the bride of Christ, or John makes a statement in Revelation, you are the bride of Christ, it's a statement of this is our relationship with him. We need commitment, we need sacrifice, and we need love. Last week we talked about we are a new humanity. What does that mean? It means we, this is a picture of our culture, the culture that God wants to have in our church. New humanity is to the Jews, Gentiles, not combined together to make the church, but a new person, not Jew, not Gentile, but the church giving us a new race, giving us a new culture, giving us a new identity, culture that does not have a pecking order, culture that does not have social classes, a culture that does not look at the rich differently than the poor, culture that does not look at the young differently than the old, but a culture that is connected under one new nation, one new race called the church. That's what Paul's point he wanted to get across in 2 Corinthians, or um, in Ephesians chapter 2, when he says, two will become one to have this new humanity, which is called the church. Now today we're going to talk about what is the church? What are we? We are a field. We are God's field, a picture of God's method to grow his kingdom. Now, when I was newly married, my wife and I went on various hikes, and there was one hike in particular that we went on um, that I made a statement that she's never um, let down and never let me forget. Um, I looked at her, and she was strong. She carried a lot of persistence, um, carried a lot of strength, determination to make sure that the hike is done. Even though it's painful, she continued to persevere. So I looked at her and said, you know what? You hike like a tank. And I don't know why I said that. I don't even remember saying it. But do you know what she, she's never held, she's consistently held it against me. And she says, you do not call women tank. And I say, that was 20 years ago. Why are you still carrying this? There's a radical statement. You are a field. (laughs) What in the world is God talking about? We are a field. Let's look at two different passages that we're going to work together in regards to figure out the meaning behind this to see where the challenges are, to see what we look like, to see what the relationship is, to see what God is saying when he makes that statement that I am a field. 1 Corinthians 3.9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. I could have talked a whole message on God's building, but we're going to do God's field. They both mean the same. It'd almost be the same message. It would be the same message. We're going to focus on field today, God's field. Another passage is a parable of Jesus. It talks about being the field. 
Here's Jesus speaking the parable, Luke 8. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell along rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because there had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it, choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears, let them hear. And the disciples and all those who were listening, the Pharisees and the other listeners, listened to that parable and said, What does that parable mean? And Jesus says, Let me explain it to you. Luke 8, he explains that parable that was just given. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. So hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So what does it mean that we are God's field? Number two gives us this picture. We are God's seed is the word of God. God's seed, which is the word of God, is in God's seed, which is planted. I'm sorry. God's seed is planted. That is the word of God in his field. That is the church for the purpose of us growing fruit for his kingdom. I'll say that again. God's seed is planted, which is the word of God. God's seed is planted in his field. Who's his field? We're called the field, the church, for the purpose of growing fruit for his kingdom. We just described what's going on right now. We just described the church. The seed is what? The seed is the word of God. And when it is open, this is the seed, when the seed is open, it is then spoken and scattered amongst listening ears. Scattered amongst a field, which is the church. And when that seed is scattered amongst a field, something happens. The seed is heard and goes into the heart and then starts to grow. Starts to grow what? Starts to grow fruit. The Word of God is planted in you for the purpose of growing fruit. This is His method to grow His kingdom. Every time the word is spoken, every time the word is preached, every time the word is read, every time the word is memorized, is a seed that's being sent out for a purpose. Is a seed that's being sent out for a purpose, and what is that purpose? To grow fruit that is inside of you. Marilyn has been in Africa for 46 years. Where did she get that? Where did she get that that passion? Where did she get that drive? Where did she get that sacrificial service that I will lay down my life for 46 years? You know what her story is? Her story is is that the Wolof language 
the Wolof people do not have a Bible. And since they do not have a Bible, Marilyn and Marianne have dedicated their entire lives to make sure that the Wolof people have the word in their own language. For 46 years, they have been going through the Bible and translated it in that Wolof language. Just think of what are they going to leave behind when they go to heaven? They're going to leave the word of God in people's hands. But where do they get that? What would give them that drive? What would give them that passion? What would make the decision for them to even do it? It is a seed given from the spoken word that landed on their ears, that went to their heart, and all of a sudden things start growing. Things start getting wild. Things start going, I'm laying my life down, I'm going to Senegal, and I am going to commit my life to that. But they get it from a seed that was planted. They don't get it from something else. Ryan Stevens came up and talked to church last month, 19 years old, I'm going to China. Where did he come up with that idea? Where did he even think about that idea? As the word goes out, seeds are hitting ears, and they're landing in people's hearts, and then they start to grow. Some group in the church is a group in the church that makes sure that they minister to the homeless people. The homeless people are on their heart. It is a passion that they carry. They devote their time. They devote their money. But where do they get that? Do they get that from their own desires? Do they get that because of something that they've heard on the news? Where do they get that? They get that from the spoken word that is being sent out into the field, a seed that's being sent out to the field. They hear it. It goes in their heart, and all of a sudden it starts to grow a fruit. You go to work and you're thinking, I wish my coworker was saved. I wish my coworker would come to church with me. Where, where do you get that? Where do you get those thoughts? Those thoughts are the Word of God that is going out, and as the Word of God goes out, you're hearing it. It's going down deep into your life, and it is starting to produce fruit inside of you. Let's look closer at the passages that were read. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Paul planted, he was the one that started the church in Corinth, and he went there and the seeds, threw the seeds of the word of God out. Here's the gospel, threw the seeds, and all of a sudden the church started. And then what did Paul do? Did he stop throwing out seeds? No, he continued to preach the word, continued to set it out, and God starts the growth. Paul was there for a year and a half in Corinth, and then he handed it to Apollos. Paulus, what did he do? Did he do something different than Paul? The answer is no. The answer is, I'm just going to send the word of God out. We're going to grow a kingdom here. I will send the word of God out and let the seeds fall on listening ears and penetrate the heart. Paulus watered. And as he watered, the same thing that Paul did, God does not say Paulus. uh, Paul started the growth. It does not say Paulus did the growth. God started it to grow. This is the direction of how God is going to build his kingdom. This is just this phrase. I planted, Apollos watered, God made it grow. This is how God is going to build his kingdom. Now, shouldn't you think about that and say, well, that doesn't make any sense why God would want to build a kingdom that way. And the reason why is because our earthly minds say, you don't build a kingdom that way. Kingdoms are built by force. Kingdoms are built by power. Kingdoms are built by intimidation. Kingdoms are built by alliances. Kingdoms are built by money. You've got to have something if you're going to build a kingdom. God's saying, no, we're not going to do any of that. 
I want my kingdom to be built by a listening ear. My kingdom is going to be built by listeners. My kingdom is going to be built with ears wide open that say, what does God want? And as the word is spoken, what's going to happen is seeds are going to come down, and all of a sudden things are going to start coming up out of control. This is the direction how God wants to build his kingdom. One conflict that my wife has is, is um, our, uh, our flower pot. It's not, almost, it's not a flower pot. It's a whole area where, where my wife just loves to um, put flowers into. And so it's like a, a, a huge area. And I am into flowers that do not multiply. So in other words, you put a flower in there, you put a, a bush in there, you put whatever in there, but it does not multiply. And she's into just filling that thing up. So what she does is she gets um, flowers that germinate. So as soon as you put a flower in there, as soon as you put a plant in there, what happens is it germinates. Next year, you have five plants because as it grows, it just keeps on growing. And what that flower area has done has now creeped into my lawn and is now trying to take over my lawn, and I try to pull it back. It is absolutely aggressive in a negative sense of a reproduction cycle that is blowing up my yard and ruining my grass. I want to stop it. There was a time that I took a shovel and I dug a big, huge crater pulling all the bulbs out that she planted that multiply, and I will tell you, it was a huge crater. I was in trouble after it was done. But that's what the Word of God does. It's not a plant, a seed that just goes out and is planted once. It's a seed that goes out goes into your ear, goes into your heart, and then just germinates and continues to germinate, continue to bake, continue to move, continue to drive. All of a sudden, as I'm listening to the Word of God with an opening ear, there is fruit inside of me, there is fruit inside of you that drives you to do things, drives you to forgive when you don't want to forgive, drives you to love when you don't want to love, drives you to give when you don't want to give, drives you to have grace for others when you don't really want to have grace for others, drives you to evangelism, drives you to telling people about Jesus, drives you to ministry, drives you to sacrifice. Where does this come from? It comes from the Word of God throwing seeds into ears that want to hear, and those seeds go down, and then fruit is produced. Let's finish, finish the passage of 1 Corinthians for, ne- for neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God's kingdom is going to be built. It's going to be built by listening ears. You know what that means? That means if God's kingdom is not going to move forward, it is not going to move forward because ears are closed. It all depends on how we are receiving the word. You know that there's only three things preventing from God's kingdom to exploding on this earth? Three things that are preventing for God's kingdom to blow to, uh, from exploding things on this earth? So I'll say it a different way. Three Things that stop a revival in this world, three things that stop a revival in your family, three things that stop a revival in your home, three things. Let's look at this. Three things. Number three, 
Some of the seeds that God plants in his field, the church, fall in hardened hearts. One thing that stops revival is, if revival takes place only by listening, is a heart that is hard. They hear the word, but it falls down onto a hard heart rather than a soft heart. What is a hard heart? Well, my daughter, Maya, and I, um, we have a little dog in our house, and a little dog is not enough. He only weighs 16 pounds. And so my daughter, Maya, and I said, you know what we need? We need a big dog. We need to get like a St. Bernard. We're going to get something that's extremely large, and we're not going to put him in our truck. We'll leave him at home. But if we have one dog we leave at home, we've got to have two dogs, so we, we need two St. Bernards. And uh, so we bring that up to my, my wife and uh, say, hey, we want two St. Bernards. And she looks at us and says, no way. That's what you call a hard heart. <laughs> there's, there, there, there's no emotion. There's no, I'll consider it. There's no, I'll think about it. There's no, I'll pray about it. There's like, no way. For the last year, we've been working on her to soften her heart. And we try to do that in different ways and different strategies. Last night, she saw a news clip, and it said, three St. Bernards, not two, three St. Bernards that were handed away for free that need adoption, but you have to adopt all three of them. She sent me the news clip. That's what you call a heart that is getting softer. I came home from church last night, and she said, I sent you the clip but no way. <laughs> so her, heart's, her heart's still, her heart is still hard, but that's what it's talking about. A shield to the Word of God. No way. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to receive it. I don't want a God. I don't want a master. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Let's look at this passage. Luke 8, 4. A farmer went out to sow his field. As he was scattering the seed preaching the word. Some fell along the path. The path is what you walk on. And as you're walking on, all it does is get cramped harder and harder and harder. Fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air came and picked it up because the seed could not get into the soil. And since the seed couldn't get in the soil, something went after it. What went after it? Here is the passage explained. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The word of God is seeds that are being sent out. Seeds that are being sent out right now. You read tomorrow, it'll be seeds that are sent out. Seeds that are being sent out right now. But they're falling, some could be falling on a hard heart. And as soon as it touches a hard heart, there's not much time in the game according to this passage. What I mean is that our adversary, the devil, does not want those seeds to stick in and aggressively picks them up and pulls them away. What does this look like? Looks like sometimes you might not even have any thought. Some people come to church and say, you know, I want to be, I want the preacher to prove to me tonight that the Bible is real. And if I don't get any proof whatsoever, logical proof that the Bible is real, then I'm not going to believe him. Well, that person's already walking in with some stone because 
The goal is to hear and go down deep into your soul, but what happens is already a stone there. I want to be proof. So as soon as the word comes out, it falls in the ears, and as soon as it falls in the ears, no, 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 and they start thinking, it's being snatched away. Some people are here because their husband dragged them to church. Some people are here because their wife dragged them to church. And the Word of God is open, and the Word of God is open. It falls on a heart that's like, this is not for me. I don't need a God. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. Some people are here that are, are living in sin, persistent sin. And they walk in here, and all of a sudden the Word is spoken, and the conscience all of a sudden comes up when the Word is spoken. And as soon as the conscience comes up, it's like, oh, well, i got to get rid of that. So they start blocking it out. The seeds of the Word of God are not falling into their heart, they're hearing it, hearing it on a consistent basis, but Satan keeps on snatching the seeds, snatching the seeds, snatching the seeds, and his word is not growing fruit. God wants to grow something in you, but he has to sink in, and the only way that can sink in is if we come in and even pray towards soft hearts. Another thing that's preventing some of the seeds that God plants in his field, the church, fall onto shallow hearts. Remember, God's going to build his kingdom through seeds that are planted in people. Some people walk in the door, and they have a shallow heart. Well, what does that mean? Let's look at the passage that explains. Luke 8, farmer went out to sow his seed. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Now, if you look at rock, a rock does not consume the entire path. You have a rock, a stone, and then you have some dirt that's alongside of it. So the seeds fell on a rock, and the roots started to grow. And as soon as the roots started to grow, yes, things started to germinate. And as things started to germinate, it was great, but the soil is not rich enough to maintain the moisture for growth. So what happens when the heat comes, there's not moisture. When the heat comes, it starts to dry up and wither out. Here is Jesus' explanation. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. When they become a Christian, they are thinking that I want God to enter my kingdom rather than they want me to enter his. What they are thinking, this is a statement, what they are thinking is I'm coming to church to get something from God rather than God get something from me. So there's an excitement when you come to church. There's excitement because you see praise. You see joy. You see the Word of God. You see peace. You see eternal life. And all of a sudden, this wraps you up in this excitement. And as it wraps you up in excitement to say, this is my God, this is my King, this is my Lord. I will receive blessing. I will receive joy. I will receive no more suffering. I will receive peace. I will receive rest from God. And then all of a sudden, our situations and circumstances are not giving us rest, are not giving us peace, are not giving us joy. And then have you ever heard the words, you know, I am really mad at God right now. That's a first sign from a shallow heart. Because you come to God with the expectation of Him giving you something. Well, this is what God has given you. God has given you His Son. God has given you salvation. 
God has given you himself. God has given you love. But we have in our mind that we have this kingdom that we're trying to build on our own. We have in our mind that I need to have riches. I need to have honor. I need to have something else. And as soon as that something else doesn't show up as a result of us worshiping God, the seed is just washed away. The seed is not germinated. So giving you an example of a seed that is germinated as the seed goes deep into the hearts the roots go down deep and when the flood waters come those roots continually are there they're consistently there where your emotions are not washed away your peace is not washed away inside of your circumstances your rest is not washed away inside of your circumstances the seed goes so deep that when the flood waters come when suffering comes you hold on to something that's so rich, which is the Word of God, that you can maintain it through all of it. Why? Because we're holding on to something deeper than this world has to offer. This is the power of the Word, and this is the power of God's seeds that are sent out to people. It's not just to make you happy. It's not just to make you rich. It's not just to give you blessing. In fact, blessing is not even the goal. Salvation would be the goal. Happiness is not even a goal. A full life with God would be the goal. Getting rid of all suffering is not even a goal. Being with God in the midst of suffering is the goal. That's the power of the Word. That's the power of a seed that wants to germinate in you. Number five, some of the seeds that God plants in His field, the church, fall on divided hearts. God wants to grow something in you, and some of our hearts are divided. What does that mean? We'll look at the passage. Luke 8, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Luke 8, he explains it. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. God could have put 50 things in there, but he put those three. Why did he put those three instead of something else? I think those are the three that consume us. Those are the three that don't just sit in our mind. Those are the three that go all the way to the heart of us as an individual. Those are the three that rule us, manipulate us, use us, and own us. Our worries own us, our riches own us, our pleasures own us. And when we walk into church, God wants to plant his seeds, but our heart is divided. In other words, we're hanging on to this. Oh, and we'll hang on to God as well, but we cannot let go of this. When seeds go out to his field, he wants to plant something so deep that the worries of life, the riches of life, and the pleasures of life hold completely secondary to the glory of his name. The seeds that are sent out, which is the word of God, trump all of it. Number six, Here's the good news. Some of the seed that God plants in his field, that church, fall on noble hearts. So there's three different hearts that walk in the door that the seeds do not germinate. The word of God does not germinate. And we can ask the question, do I have a hard heart? Do I have a shallow heart? Do I have a divided heart? But this is a question I want you to ask, is do I have a noble heart? What does noble mean? Noble means honest, Noble means upright. Noble means quality of high moral character. Noble means I open up my ears for the purpose of receiving 
a word from God for the purpose of receiving what God wants to say to me specifically through the situations that I am in right now. I come with the expectation not to just be a part of a church, with expectations to make the church a part of me. How do you do that? By opening up your ears to the Word of God. Luke 8 explains, Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears, let them hear. What does that mean? Here Jesus explains it. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Let's just keep that passage up there. I just want to look at noble heart. Who does what? Who hears the word. First thing that comes out, God wants to plant a seed. The word comes out, and those are hearing it, but he does something else with it. And then he retains it, or she retains it, and then what do they do with it? By persevering, persevering, where does the word persevering go? The word persevering goes to the hearing of the word and the retaining of the word. You see how God is the one that plants the seeds? I persevere in hearing, I persevere in retaining, and when I persevere in hearing, I persevere in retaining, what takes place? Those flowers that continue to germinate that take over my yard starts to happen. Forgiveness, joy, love, serving, sacrifice. By what? By hearing and retaining and persevering in that process. See, the Word of God is the source of that God is going to use to build his kingdom. It is the source that God is going to use to build his kingdom. That is why he said, you are the field, and my word is the seed. So with that taking place, are we walking in with hard hearts? Are we walking in with divided hearts? Are we walking in with shadow hearts? Are we walking in with a heart that is starving for it? Do we walk in the door and think, God, I want to take your word personal. God, I want to take your word, an answer from your word. God, I want to take your word to my heart. God, I want you to take your word to my situation. God, I want you to take your word to my life. God, I want to take your word to the greatest ends of the earth. We walk in the door. Is that what we're thinking? Remember how God's going to build his kingdom. He's going to build his kingdom by throwing out seeds. If you ever want to change the land that you are on, or if you ever want to change the world that you're in, the best way to do it is to throw seeds. I live in farmland, and as I live in farmland, I'll tell you I live in two different worlds in one year. Why? Because there is a world that there is nothing on the grass, nothing on the land. It's all flat. But then all of a sudden I show up, In the spring, I show up in the summer, and the whole land is completely changed. By what? By seeds being thrown out. We are God's field. The Word is the seed, and this is the direction how God is going to do to build our kingdom. This is how God wants to build our kingdom, His kingdom. Number seven, God's method to grow His kingdom is to use His Word 
to grow something in you. So this morning, this would be the challenge. The preaching of the Word went out. And as the preaching of the Word went out, ask, God, what do you want from me today in the preaching of the Word? Ask, God, what do you want me to get rid of? God, what do you want me to see? God, what do you want me to know? And God, how do you want me to feel? You see, when the preaching of the Word goes out, or the reading of the Word, or the memorization of the Word, there's always a seed that wants to be planted in our lives. So as the seed wants to be planted, we need to be asking those questions. What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to get rid of? How do you want me to feel? Go to the Word, go to church with the expectation that you are the field and God wants to scatter a seed in your life. And what's he going to do? He's going to throw it out. Is it going to fall on a hard heart, a shallow heart, a divided heart, or a noble heart that says, God, I desire it. Give it to me. Father, we just thank you so much that um, you have pursued us the way that you have. You desire to grow fruit in our life. You desire to grow joy, happiness, strength, perseverance. And God, your word is the source of it taking place. God, I just pray that you give us all listening ears. Ears that will listen, God. Ears that will retain. Ears that will meditate. Ears that will get the seed that you want to plant to get germinated into our heart. We ask for that. In Christ's name. Amen.